So elections are all about making your voice heard, using democracy to show up, advocate for yourself and your community. But what if no one really represents your community? As a state, Arkansas is admittedly not the most ethnically or racially diverse, but things are changing. And for the many communities of color who live here, how well are they able to use their voices? Who's voting? Who's getting elected? And why does it matter? Hi, I'm Daniel Carruth, and in today's Natural Election, we talk voter representation. So to better understand what's going on when it comes to voting and representation, it's important to take a look at the numbers. 89% of Arkansas state legislature is made up of white officials. 11% of the legislature is black, and only one state legislator is Hispanic or Latino, and there are no Asian or Pacific Islander lawmakers on the state level. That's all according to a 2022 study by the National Conference of State Legislatures. For comparison, the 2020 Census Bureau puts about 78% of the state's population as white, with 16% black, 8% Hispanic or Latino, and 2% Asian or Pacific Islander. Joshua Price is Deputy Director of Arkansas United, an immigrant rights advocacy group, and a former elections commissioner for Pulaski County. As far as representation in government, I mean, there's very little. Um, We've never had an Asian-American serve in the legislature, and we've never had, you know, any Hispanic or Asian-Americans holding any higher offices. When I was an election commissioner in Pulaski County, that was one of only uh, five Asian-Americans in the state that had any position at all. Price says even tracking data on voter demographics in Arkansas can be tricky because registration forms don't require voters to mark race or an ethnicity. Uh, My own mother, who's an immigrant from the Philippines, I looked her up in the van and she wasn't listed as Asian. So I I like personally inputted it, input the data. I was like, yeah, she's Asian. So, So right there, if we're not tracking the data, we really don't know. But even with faulty data, demographics of eligible voters in the state are changing. And I don't know if you know this, but Arkansas is actually number four in the country for growth of immigrants compared to population, that is. This summer, the Northwest Arkansas Council released a study that showed a trend toward growing diversity in the region. As early as 1990, only 4% of Northwest Arkansas was non-white, to around 30% today. If you look at our school districts, which is really, the school districts are at the front line of our demographic change here. And two of our five largest school districts are um, majority-minority school districts. And there's a third that's very close to um, reaching that point. So like in our Springdale School District, for example, I believe is close to 70% racially and ethnically diverse. And I believe our Rogers District is close to 60%. And the number of languages spoken within our districts ranges from, I believe, 30 to as high as 65, 66. And that's reflected in countries of origin also. So there's really incredible diversity within our districts. And 
The other piece of the report is that we're able to do projections of what our population will look like up until 2026. But if we really want to look at projections of what our community will look like, we need to look at our school districts. And that's where we really see that the face of this region is going to be very different once these school-aged um, youth are the leaders of our region. That's Margot Lamaster, Executive Director of Engage NWA with the Northwest Arkansas Council. She says the major driver in that growth is among Hispanic and Latino residents. The study shows by 2026, the region's Hispanic population is expected to grow from 17 to 19 percent. And this year, voters in Springdale will elect a new House representative for the state's first majority Hispanic district. The new boundaries of the House District 9 in Springdale were redrawn as part of the legislative map put forward in 2021, following the 2020 U.S. Census. We would like to see that those individuals are reflected of our region's diversity. Currently, you know, I think it's pretty obvious that they are not. Um, So there's a lot of work to be done there. But we hope that that's the direction that we're moving in for the future. Arkansas is also home to the largest population of Marshallese outside of the Marshall Islands. And a new generation of Marshallese Americans is now coming of age here in northwest Arkansas. J.R. Kiona is an intern for the Arkansas Coalition of Marshallese and a student at the University of Arkansas. On a rainy Saturday this October, he flicked through a stack of voter registration forms hoping to get more young Marshallese Americans like himself on the voting rolls. As far as uh, voting and registration, I believe it's uh, very important for uh, us kids to uh, be a part of what's going on in the community. Uh, just for our ben- the very beneficial for our future and for uh, what's coming up tomorrow. Also, uh, in order to um, live in a country that you'd want good leaders, you're supposed to take your part, take part, and do what you gotta do to make it the safest country as possible and vote the right people in. He says Arkansas is now home for many of these young Marshallese Americans, but it can often be difficult to engage this younger generation in voting, partly because they don't see much representation in local, state, or national government. Melissa Leilan is the director of the Arkansas Coalition of Marshallese. We do have, we've been actually doing, this organization has been uh, doing voter registration. We're really at an era where our Marshallese children that were born here, and they're American Marshallese, uh, they can now vote. So it is very important for us to ensure that uh, we have a space at the table. Uh, So we always want to make sure that our youth are you know, are engaged um, because they, that's really the generation that we rely on to bring the, our issues that are affecting us to the forefront. She says while the number of eligible Marshallese American voters is still pretty small at only a couple hundred, they're representative of a broader community. Well, there has been a shift in population, I think, uh, and actually Northwest Arkansas has the largest concentration of Marshallese living outside of the Marshall Island. So with that said, all of the, there are social issues that we are faced with simply because we have a very different and very unique relationship with the United States. So what impact the Marshallese may be a little different. So it is very important for us to, to be in the forefront, to be engaged, to be running uh, at these elections uh, so that way our, you know, our uh, needs that are directly impacting us are brought to the forefront again. 
But still, she says getting voters to the polls can be difficult. And Joshua Price says for many people of color, and especially immigrant communities, the barriers to voting here are often broad. First off, there's just getting registered to vote. Arkansas ranks worst in the country for voter registration and is one of eight states where you have to register in person. Now you're creating a process where people have to print off a form if they have a printer or they can go pick up a voter registration form somewhere in person, maybe a library or the clerk's office, and then they have to physically fill it out and either physically take it to the clerk's office, drop it off in person, or they have to put a stamp on it and mail it in. And that doesn't sound like a lot, but for younger people, I don't know many young people that still send letters. And then number two, you have to register to vote 30 days before the deadline. And again, I don't know many people in 2022 who do anything 30 days before a deadline. He also says access has been a major problem for voters recently, as more counties cut down on polling sites. Pulaski County closed 24 polling locations this past year, while Washington County went from 58 to 41, and Benton County dropped from 49 to 35 locations. So those are some urban examples. For rural, I'll give you a couple that are pretty appalling. Uh, Van Buren County went from 21 polling locations down to four for the whole county. Um, and they tell me out there that about 20% of the voters now have to drive 20 to 30 miles one way to vote. Um, Yale County, which has a high Hispanic population, went from 25 down to nine polling places. Uh, Lafayette County, which is Stamps, Arkansas, which is a large African-American population, went from 12 polling locations down to three. Lincoln County went from 11 down to three. Cross County went from seven down to one. When you're closing polling locations, I, I mean, I understand that the concept of these are not highly populated counties. However, they're still geographically large. So, you know, you're, you're still asking people now to drive across the county. And also bear in mind that the county seat, which is normally going to have the, the one polling location, is not normally in the center of the county. And once voters get to the polls, something as simple as language or even cultural competency from poll workers can still keep them from confidently casting a ballot. Because another law says that um, we, it's under appeal right now. We actually won this case, Arkansas United is part of it, but it's now under appeal with the Secretary of State's office that a volunteer can only assist up to six people per day, and that's the limit. So, But if you have an area with hundreds of Spanish-speaking voters, you know, each of our volunteers can only assist six people a day. They're exhausted pretty quickly, right? They hit that six-person limit really fast, and we don't have hundreds and hundreds of volunteers to be able to, just, uh, to bring in. So if you had a bilingual poll worker, bilingual poll workers can help an unlimited number of people. And Price says all of these factors contribute to low voter turnout among communities of color. And one of the ways he hopes to fix that is by getting more racially and ethnically diverse candidates on the ballot. I can't tell you how many times I've walked into a quorum court meeting or city board meeting and I'm, I'm not only the only Asian in the room, sometimes I'm the only person of color. And I'm seeing, you know, leaders making decisions that affect my community and other communities of color. And there's literally no voice there to speak up on their behalf. I mean, I'll be really candid with you. I don't know what it's like to, let's say, be an African-American woman, right? I don't. I'm an Asian man. So how, how will, would like, a white man or a white woman know what it's like to be Asian American and have an immigrant parent or be Hispanic and have immigrant parents or be an immigrant themselves. I've had so many conversations where I bring up issues in, 
immigrant communities and, and you know, elected officials that had no idea that was a problem there. I'm like, well, that's like the main problem. I mean, do you talk to them? Do, do, do you ask them? Um, you invite them to have a, a seat at the table? Well, no. If you don't, if you don't know, how, you're not going to know what you don't know, right? So you have to open those lines of communication. And so, um, again, it, it, helped, it hurts the community because they're not being represented. And Marco Lamaster says there needs to be more resources put to build the next generation of leaders from different backgrounds. And she hopes the data her organization provides will help play a part in that. We want organizations and individuals to use the report as a tool. So when you're looking internally at your organization, when you're looking at leadership, when you're looking at policies, when you're thinking about how do I create a more inclusive workplace, you know, you need to be aware of the data. Like I said, the the mentorship, focus on developing that pipeline and those learning opportunities so that you do have the training and the skills um, to run for office and the support that's needed to run for office. I think all of those are important components. And Melissa Leilon says like many underrepresented communities, the Marshallese in Arkansas have made a home in the region. They work here, they pay taxes, raise their families, and contribute to the community. And she says they need a voice in local government. There's been a lot done, I will say, in the past 10 years. Um, you know, for example, the, uh, the ARCID program uh, extended to the Marshallese children that was in 2018. Uh, before that, there was literally nothing afforded to the extended out uh, to the Marshallese children. So I feel like there is a lot then, but there's still a lot more to go. I mean, it's, you know, uh, we're still battling basic things like people getting their basic driver's license, uh, you know, those social determinants that make a, a healthy family. We're seeing a lot of those challenges. You're listening to Natural Election. We'll be right back after this. KUAF is your source for news and entertainment on the air and in your podcast feed. With podcasts like Ozarks at Large, Resilient Black Women, The Lunch Hour, and The R Word. You can rely on KUAF to bring you a diverse lineup of culture and news you need whenever you need it. Find our entire lineup of podcasts at KUAF.com slash podcasts. This is Natural Election. Early voting is still going on here in Arkansas through November 7th. And an important note, next Tuesday, November 8th, is Election Day. If you need a list of polling locations near you, go to KUAF.com slash vote. Natural Election is a production of KUAF Public Radio and Ozarks at Large. It's hosted by Matthew Moore and me, Daniel Carruth. Thanks for listening to Natural Election. We're back next week on Election Day. Until then, what are you waiting for? Go vote. Go vote.